Welcome to Time to Show Up, the podcast and community that supports you to flourish and grow in your personal and professional life. There's no better time to show up than now. Today we speak with John, who has recently taken a sabbatical from Amazon and is embarking upon starting a new company with a co-founder, where he'll be taking on the role of CEO. Having run a small business before, he's never run a venture-backed startup and is looking for clarity about the next stage he is about to enter. In this interview, we explore transition from structured to unstructured environments, ambivalence and loss of clarity, the struggle between knowing something and having the confidence to do it, and we also touch upon embodying leadership, managing conflict, and finding one's voice. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Okay, John, welcome to Time to Show Up. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Um, I wonder if you can tell us something about your life course that brought you to this moment right now. So just very briefly, you arrived here to show up for something in your life. Can you give us the the short version that starts, Ooh, that ends in this version. moment? Yeah. <laughs> I've been telling this story a little bit recently and there, I don't, I see how short I can go. But the the short of the short version is that I've been meaning to go and start this company for the past 10 years or really the past maybe six or seven years. Um, but, you know, when I, I had been running my own digital agency and decided that to start a product company, I should go and try uh, my hand at working within a Series A company. And so I did that. And that's when I ended up in, in the UK as regional director for um, a startup called Commerce Guys at the time, which has since turned into Platform SH. Great company. Um, still good friends with the CEO. Um, and, you know, I went there thinking, okay, if I learn how to work within a Series A, that'll give me a good idea about how to build and lead a Series A. And then I went on a series of, uh, of steps that all were logical and all uh, were in the right direction. And I stand by, uh, but they were all in the direction of coming around to, you know, building something, being a great leader, being able to start a company again, as I had in the past. And so really for the past 10 years, I've been on this journey to reach now, which is now I have two great co-founders and we're building and, uh, you know, I'm excited and lots of challenges and change coming from a, from Amazon as a leader there. Uh, where it's very structured and very, um, uh, you know, I won't say it's easy to be successful. There's certainly a lot of work to do, but it's a very straightforward path to what good looks like um, Mm -hmm. versus coming into an environment where uh, now prioritization is more difficult and there's a lot of different tasks at very different levels, you know, high levels and low levels and all these kinds of things. So, uh, so, yeah, I mean, what's brought me to this point is a plan uh, that, you know, my wife and I have had for basically 10 years. <laughs> um, that's the short version. Wow. Okay, so 10, 10 years at least bringing you up to this, this moment. Okay, that's great. <laughs> so fair incubation. And so from today's session, when you leave us today, what would be a successful outcome if you kind of close down the laptop and you walk away and you go home to your wife and you're like, it was amazing. This is what I got out of it. What might that look like? I suppose in the, in the, um, 
you know, having a framework for um, change so that I can evolve into the person that I need to be to um, be a great CEO and leader for uh, this company and to support my two co-founders and to build a great culture and to bring along the right investors and to build a great product. You know, <laughs> Just I everything, think, really. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a small ask, you know. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I have high expectations for you. <laughs> great, a framework. Okay. For, you'll notice that we're taking notes during this session. Yeah, we've got a little so, notepads here. So yes, if you see us glancing down. Stuff. <laughs> you know, I think the thing that you will be able to do better than a lot of people I would talk to, and I'm, I'm talking to a lot of uh, my colleagues, and, you know, ex-colleagues or friends, and some of whom are, are successful um, startup CEOs and have good advice for me, maybe specifically about the mechanics of being a CEO or the mechanics of operating a startup. But I think um, more than ever, especially in this early stage, being able to um, operate myself as a mm. as as a uh, being able to um, focus when I need to focus on the right things, I think is quite difficult outside of when it becomes a lot less structured. And so uh, maybe that's somewhere where you can help me um, is working out how to operate myself as you know the the operating <laughs> there is an operating system. Yes. Well, you came to the right place because that's definitely <laughs> our, our aim to really drill down to the psychological bit, which brings us onto this next bit, which is about consent, right? So we want to get deep into what we, what might be going on within you, your operating system, what might be getting in the way, but also what motivates you. So we just want to check that it's all explicit, that you might be prepared to be challenged in this interview, to take some risks. We're not going to put you in any position that, you know, you feel completely uncomfortable about. But um, we do want to find out maybe uh, where some fears and anxieties are and what might have provoked those fears and anxieties so we can definitely get around it. We just want to get, we want to know that you're on board for that that process. Yes, I'm on board. I, yes, I think there's like things, I, I want to be able to be as open as I can there are certain things um, that have happened that are probably within certain levels of confidentiality at particular companies I've been in, um, but certainly everything about me that I can talk about without affecting that, happy to. Yes, and you you maintain control, obviously, <laughs> the whole time about what you wish to share and what you don't wish to share. So we just want to get a sense of like whether you want to go, how much you want to go for it, and... Um, <laughs> If there's a moment that's too much, which I don't think it's going to be, we're not doing a psychotherapy session here, but we are taking a psychological approach. At any point you say, well, I'm not going to go there or that would be confidential and that's absolutely fine. Yeah. Feel free to push back to us as well. That's kind of the deal. So um, I think we should get straight into the deep inquiry session. Yes, I think so too. Yeah. Okay. So John, um, you were talking earlier just in terms of the successful outcomes that you would want to think about or come away with some kind of framework for change. Uh, You're talking about your role as CEO, about being able to build a culture within your growing team um, connected to building a great product. That's perhaps the more mechanical side of it. So we probably won't go so much into that side. But you're talking about operating yourself, focusing on the right things, especially with what seems like either a lack of or a mutable kind of structure. So you mentioned that 
you know, the previous um, employers, there was a much more of what seems like uh, an explicit structure, maybe a more clearly defined route to success. And now you're in the driving seat. So when you say you want to figure out more about how to operate yourself, are there specific things that you are thinking of that you would like help with? You know, I think I should probably read more books on this. <laughs> um, but but one of the things is that, um, you know, lots of the um, decisions, well, it seems as though decisions tend to be a big part of the role and um, decisions need space. And so, you know, in a lot of the roles I've occupied and I've led teams of you know, 50 and more people and, uh, you know, I've been in the manager role and I've been, you know, working on strategy and had to kind of spend three months with a paper. So I'm not, it's not foreign to me kind of spending time um, on hard decisions, but I guess um, the way that I spend my time now is very variable there's some kind of imperative to run hard and fast. And for instance, my um, CTO co-founder is doing a great job building right now, you know, and his, I'm putting tickets in Jira and he is going off and building things. And, you know, at the end of almost every day, he's got a really interesting demo for me to look at. And that's quite, you know, this little sequential waterfall of, of um, we specify the thing, we build the thing. And, you know, I've been in a software development role and I've done that as well. And so it's kind of easy, really easy for me to see his progress. Um, mm. And, you know, with myself, there are silly things like, uh, you know, so I'm one of my responsibilities and I've been in a sales team, but one of, but it's not been my primary, uh, necessarily I've not been the kind of primary go-to for sales for a long time. I did I have done that a long time ago. But for instance, one of the things I'm doing right now is selecting a CRM, which is just, you know, and I made the decision on the, on the weekend, it's fine. But I, it feels like spending a week on that kind of thing is maybe not mm. as productive. And yet <clears throat> it's, it's one of those um, decisions that's hard to get right. And I think I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about how sometimes the hardest decisions actually are the least important because if it's really hard to design between two things, maybe either of them is going to be, you know, okay. <laughs> and I think yeah. one of the things that a startup is you have to make a lot of okay decisions rather than um, making the absolute right decision, um, which a lot of the roles I've been in, it's more important to make the absolute right decision than make a lot of decisions quickly. So I guess I, I'm now I'm just meandering, but I think um, the the yeah I, I think you 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 are going between two things though, which I think are important. Something is like about how you know that you're spending your time well when That's maybe right. you're comparing yourself to someone who you, you can check against something in a sense. Maybe mm -hmm. it's a little bit more abstract, but it also feels like the capacity to make decisions maybe outside of the structure that you currently have feels a little bit exposing because you yeah, don't have I mean, the structure right telling now, you what you know, right now one of my so one of my straightforward tasks is I have to contact the whole of my network and work out how to do more customer discovery calls so we can get information about the product that we're building and that's just a kind of matter of going and 
looking through my network and finding the right person and then sending them a message and saying, hey, can I can you do me a favor and can I spend some time, you know, talking to you about what we're building and asking you questions? <clears throat> and I can do that. It feels slow because there's a lot of work you do to kind of form up communication, which is not a cold call, but it's kind of, you know, lukewarm call after maybe not speaking to someone for a while. That's somewhat straightforward and I could keep doing that, but there are other things going on at the same time and decisions that have to be made that are big and strategic and also things like there's just there's such a breadth to what I have on my plate at the moment, you know, the messaging, the marketing, um, you know, working out the investor deck that we're building, um, putting in place our um, the principles they're operating by, thinking about whether we're going to be an international company versus just focusing on the US, things like this that seem to affect the messaging and so are somewhat valid to make decisions around, but also it's just completely unknowable at this point and we'll probably change our minds later. So there's, there's it's kind of, um, it's the kind of the, it's like intellectual discipline, uh, not getting sidetracked on things that aren't important, but also being able to let, <laughs> mediocre decisions flow through me and being okay with that you know yes we'll probably go international immediately because our product will be particularly good in these territories that you know don't that aren't first language english so there's this kind of like uh, just a very different way of operating i think you know at amazon um one of the principles is insist on the highest standards right and that's really mm. really important for a big operating business um, and I've been living by that for the past five years. And then, you know, the, and it, it's an environment where decisions take a while. You know, I've kind of gone through a process of getting a decision made for six months. Very important decision that was hundreds of millions of dollars impact. Um, but that's a very different process to like, okay, I need to make very strategic decisions very quickly that may change later. And how, how much do I hold on to that? So mm-hmm. I don't know. I have a fairly wide wide-ranging career between being you know, software engineer, technical manager, you know, uh, head of solutions architecture, sort of in the sales team, product manager. Um, it, it, it's, it feels like I can draw from a lot of these, but day-to-day it's hard to sit down and not feel a little bit of... Um, decision fatigue about what's most important to you right now and um, and fatigue on on the how long it should take to do things um, and whether I've done some the, the most important things that day I get to the end of the day and it's like I don't know I did some things they were good things <laughs> is this the are these the right things <laughs> there's a lot there isn't there <laughs> there is yes yes let, let, can I just Chisel it down and then hand over to you for Please. the next question. So I feel like a, I feel like a major question that you're asking yourself is who you most need to be yeah. amongst all of these things. And Natalie's going to ask you what <laughs> <laughs> what might be getting in the way of of that because I think I feel like that's the question. You know, are you an operations person? Are you an ideas person? Are you managing this? Who you know? Who do you need to come, keep coming? Mm back to if we're talking about drilling you know who, who do you most need to be when you're making these decisions and so just to reflect back just some of the things that you've talked about so there's kind of the knowable and unknowable so there's something around discernment um 
actually, I think discernment might be at the heart of this. So maybe what gets in the way of that? So discernment about what are the tasks that are the highest priority? What is an enough of a good decision for you to say, okay, that will do so I can move on to the next thing? Um, I get the sense as well that you, because you have so much, so many different skills and capacities, the tendency is to spread yourself too thin just because you can do things doesn't mean that you should do things. So I think, again, discernment there around what is it that you should be focusing on? And you mentioned decision fatigue as well. So there's 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 a lot in there. And then many times folks will orient towards a particular set of principles or North Star to help make those decisions. But it sounds to me like when you talked about at Amazon, there was something around the highest possible standard being the orientation, being the North Star in terms of how to execute and prioritize and perform. You ask yourself, like, what what standards are the standards that I, John Kennedy, want to um, inculcate like, or, or, or use as the rudder for this business? So in terms of all of these different elements, what do you think is getting in the way of you being able to take the next steps forward to clarify who you need to be or what you need to be able to have a role that is sustainable for you? and that is able to direct your business in a way that feels like it's flourishing. What are the key things that are getting in the way of that, do you think? I think that it's evolving rapidly. I brought on a co-founder a while ago. We're just bringing on a, a, a third co-founder now, and that changes my role because of their capabilities. And that's you know almost just an excuse because presumably everything will keep changing, constantly for the next you know three to four years at least companies don't settle down very much until they're through series a or series b things Mm -hmm. change rapidly about roles and responsibilities and um and so i think to give you an example there was this ridiculously simple task that i should do and i have now started but uh started is maybe an overstatement. Um, The very simple task is I have a lot of notes of all of these customer conversations I've been having. I need to put these notes in a central place so that everyone or so that the other two co-founders can read them. And I have talked to them about these notes so they have some (laughs) idea of what's going on. But if I put them in the central place, then then they uh, will be able to refer to them and it brings some more confidence and it also sets a standard for one of my co-founders who's also doing customer discovery calls I have a lot of experience in, you know, I have eight years experience in product management and that is kind of, I can lean on that to know, you know, to build best practice for customer discovery calls. And so I should be able to, you know, by putting these notes in a central place in a structured way that they can access, this should um, inspire confidence about what we're building and set a good example for, uh, for doing customer discovery calls without me, all these kinds of things. But the, the weight of um, should I be doing this task, which feels very in the weeds, like I'm going looking at my Evernote notes, and then the first decision I had to make was, well, where do these notes go? Essentially, should be in Google. Are we going to use Notion? Blah blah blah. Mechanical. <laughs> so eventually, I got to the point after a week, which was like, well, we're using Notion. Notion's the thing. So then it's like, okay, going back to this task and saying, okay, where does it go? What is there a structure to this? Do I use the structure that I've used before? All these things, I've made these decisions lots and lots of times in the past and just done it. But 
but it's I, I have put off this task as I've been doing other tasks, mm-hmm. and it's just something that's. I, I think it's not minutiae. I think it is actually very important, and especially at this stage, because things that can feel like minutiae are actually really important at this stage. And so I just need to go and do the thing, which is not complicated. I need to look at my notes. I need to look at the parts that I've bolded and put those bold parts in the summary notes in this new location and then tag it okay, and hold put on. things together. I want to just pause you there. So like you, you know exactly the steps that you need to take. You know exactly the process. You've done it before. What would it mean if you actually did it? What does that? Is it because it takes you a step closer to success? Is it because it's you're accountable to yourself? And if it goes tits up, you'll be like, I only have myself to blame. Is it that there's something else that you feel is competing with that time? Is it the boredom factor? You don't want to be translating notes. Is it something else? Th- yeah, there, there's lots of those things. It could be that I think that this isn't something I should be doing, but I think that it is something that I should be doing. So is it, and I don't, Maybe this is a call to get philosophical on, but is it my conscious fighting with my subconscious? Like oh. I should do the thing. Mm, should I really like, is that how I should be John, spending my time? I, I, I think I can say with a high level of confidence that a lot of this is noise and it's actually not about, it's actually not about those things. Yeah. Like I think part of our, our process here is looking into what story is underlying the choices you're making or not making. And I'm getting a sense here that you really need to feel sure about stuff. Like you told us, you know, 10 years in the making, putting yourself in a company to learn what you need to do to, to do the next thing that's coming next. And I feel like this is the same thing. Like whether it's Notion or Evernote or uploading the notes, it's like everything's got to be there for me to be sure. Like I got to learn everything to be sure. And I and I think that's noise because yes, you got to do that. And yes, you can put it in Notion. But I think there's a story here about what it means for you to do it maybe before you've crossed all the T's, dotted all the I's and underlined everything. And I wonder what that story might be be for you almost like I got an image of you standing on the edge of a pool and not diving (laughs) in and then like moving to another edge and then still not diving in then maybe putting your foot in and taking it back out and yeah so tell me if that feels right but also like what are you telling yourself about what gets done Mm. if you do do all that stuff right what's next yeah there's yeah Definitely the I have a sense that I want to get this right. Um, and what do would, you have a story about getting things that? right? Yeah, what, what would I do after that? I guess I would go back to digging up, you know, um, or kind of working out who I should be talking to to get more product feedback or um, working on the deck or doing one of those other things. I think, I think uh, probably the need to be right runs in my family. I'm going to start blaming my childhood, my father, um, but (laughs) needing to be right or needing to. uh, Yeah. What do you, what do you, what do you mean by that? Like you can't, is that about not messing up first? Maybe, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. So I really think, need- I thought I felt like I'd unpacked that one a while ago, but 
Uh, maybe not. You know. <laughs> I think okay, we're not we're not sure, but it feels like there is like a there's a fear of stepping out before something else is done first. But it feels like that's something else being done. Everything could seems always like be it's dependent upon everything else. Yeah. So you know, another thing is, I don't. I want to approach people with clarity and say, "This is who I am. This is what I'm doing." And then right now, everything is so tangled that talking to people about what I'm doing is difficult. You know, it was very simple to talk about who I was and what I was doing six months ago. You know, I'm head of product for this product at Amazon. Everyone knows what that is. I'm building an AWS product. I have this big team that's working for me doing this thing. You know, that's a very simple way to present in the world and mm. it is it's about to and i'm grappling with this one of my one of actually one of my um mentors said to me it was astounding when he stepped out of amazon and suddenly he had to present himself to the world and he got such a such different responses than he got with kind of amazon behind him and i'm grappling with that as well the fact that I'm going to have to suddenly present in this new way that's going to be maybe less interesting or maybe less um, attractive to people for a while. Maybe that'll change. But um, that kind of mess of who I am and what I'm doing is also just difficult for me to sort through. Mm. So it feels like it feels like a mess needs to be cleaned up. Yeah, first. I mean, well, so the product is evolving, which is what you'd expect, right? You learn things, you build things, you change it and its vision. And so it's not easy to nail down exactly how to describe it. And that's a problem for me because one of the ways that I describe who I am and what I'm doing is the thing that I'm building. Um, and that, that mess, it's kind of messes me all the way through because that's how I define my work. Um, Do you mind if I jump Please, yeah, yeah. So there's something around, so, and I really hear you when you say this, I was having a conversation with someone not long ago about what happens when you step out of a recognizable branded role onto a stage where you might have a halo effect for a while but then after a while it's you on your own two feet and whatever is coming from you and the people that you're building with community you know communities sort of around you whether it's in business um, business or professional domain or other and so you're saying about presenting in a new way and wondering about being less interesting or less attractive to people I get this but I'm wondering when it when sort of Aaron's talking about story and narrative and about sorting out the mess, there's a reason that you decided or that you had this flame, this flicker of inspiration and creativity, this, this hunger to create something 10 years ago. There's a reason that that has led you to where you are. And I'm very curious about what story might be underneath the fear of being not interesting enough, not attractive enough, not named enough, not sort of, you know, standing with this, massive brand behind you what was it that 
what's the story behind what moved you to step out by yourself? Because there's something there. There's a flame that's there. I've had lots of ideas over the time. My pattern is to kind of identify things that I'd like to build. And, um, you know, I've gone towards them in various ways. I think um, I decided 10 years ago or even longer ago, maybe 12, 13 years ago, that to build the scale of software that I wanted to build, I needed to go and um, build within a framework like venture-backed software company. Um, it, the, it's funny to say that I want to build something without just having the same thing and wanting to build that for 10 years because it's not always been the same thing. The thing that I'm building right now, I've known that I've wanted to build since about 2020 and identified this problem with the software development process. I've struggled with it. Plenty of my colleagues have, you know, various founders and product managers and software development managers. And so it became obvious to me that I wanted to build this thing. But the common theme is I want to be building um, and I want to be building within a company where I want to work with the people and I want to build a great culture and I want to eliminate some of the kind of um, the bad patterns that I've seen at all the companies that I've worked at and the ways that I've built businesses a long time ago. And, and so, you know, more than anything, I know that I'll come up with ideas because I've always been an ideas person. I've always been able to kind of say, okay, here's a, here's a problem that's, um, that is widespread and valuable and understandable. And so let's go work out how we could solve this. And here are three solutions and here's a good one. That's not really been a problem for me. Um, and that's what led me to product management, I think, because that's really when it comes down to it, um, what you're doing. Um, But, you know, to build something where I have the ability to actually have some control over culture and control over uh, process and control over the leaders who I'm working with, that's really what um, has kept me going towards this. And, so if you, yeah. if you look at that like a, like a spring, right? So I think what you just said there is really exciting because there's a lot of intrinsic motivation that goes back more than a decade. There's a lot of knowledge that you've acquired, you know, very purposefully. I know a direction that's intrinsically motivated. I need to get the experience and knowledge through this process to get there. So that's not missing, right? That's great. That's really great. But it seems like every time that rises, something, the other side of the spring pushes back, like there's an ambivalence or something that, I think is saying something to you. My guess is that it's a fear-based thing that every time your, your intrinsic motivation wants to say, here we are, like this is what we're going to do. Something pushes back in the other direction. Might not be fear, might be something else. You will know better, but do you get a sense of what that push pull? Oh, there's plenty of fear. Now? I think one of the fears is I go out and do this thing. Finally, after all this time, after talking to people about doing it for so long and it fails you know, that's, that's a fear. Definitely. I'm yeah. going to put myself out there. I'm going to change my LinkedIn title in a month or so, maybe less, maybe, maybe in about 14 days. Um, 
or a month, you know, I think mm -hmm. that's, I'm going to change that title and I'm going to republish my blog and I'm going to, you know, put a big post out about how I've loved working at Amazon, which I have. And I really appreciate all of the help from all these people, which I have. And now I'm going on to do this thing. And it's then, it's then a, a thing that I can absolutely and fully fail at, like properly mm -hmm. fail. You know, and there visibly as many well, things. like people can see you fail it. Visibly, yes. Uh, like over the, so, you know, I've been in roles where I could fail in minor ways and I've have, you know, and I've come back from them, but it's, it's harder to fail, to properly fail at, at, um, you know, a company that's established. Um, uh, you know, I've had some, I, one of the things was I came into, one of my goals at Amazon was to be a leader of leaders and work out what that looked like at scale and how do you be that person who's leading leaders who are leading teams I definitely had a failure within that you know about understanding the balance between um you know passion and vision and um and kind of rallying the troops versus causing um discontent because of uh tension um mm -hmm. but it was a good lesson you know mm -hmm. and i so i had a failure and I got lots of advice from lots of people and I worked back from it and it was great and fine, you know, and I learned something valuable. I think like I could fail at this and learn something valuable, but it would also be incredibly uh, public and it would also then make me question who I am, which is like hard, you know. If, mm. if I'm not getting this right, if I can't go and build this company that I've planned to build for so long, um, Am I that person? So there's a real fear that you might show up as not the person you hope to be by failing to make it happen? Yeah. I know that I can operate really well in big companies, even medium-sized companies, or, you know, go be a VP of product at a startup. I could nail all of those things. Like, I know that I can, and I have done those things. And I think that, you know, if you put – I'm pretty good at interviewing so if i went and tried to go get one of those things i could probably go get it and do it this is the one thing that i've not like i've run my own little company but i've not been a ceo for a venture-backed company and i've not had that weight of growth and change on me and i've not had uh, had to deal with a public profile around that you know we'll probably go and apply for y combinator and suddenly we'll be in a cohort of of people who are definitely, you know, many of whom have done it before and have experience in being a CEO. That's something that I really, really want to be brilliant at, but I have no proof around yet. <laughs> okay, so when Natalie was and, and maybe I'm around. maybe I'm terrible, and maybe everyone is terrible before they do it, you know. But that's still a worry of mine that I that I won't turn out to have the right skills to do that. That would be uh, pretty existential for me. Mm -hmm. mm. Mm. Okay. I just want to flag up and we'll, we'll get to it, I think, toward, towards the end, but that you are bringing up a lot of quite black and white thinking here, right? It really becomes about failure and success and existential or not. Mm. You frame this previous experience with the leadership as a failure you, you would know better than I, but, you know, was it really a failure? And I wonder if you're kind of setting up something here where it all really becomes either or. So you hesitate because 
the stakes are so high. Yes, and then it's got to, it goes one way or, or another. Like even if you're going to put your stuff on Notion, yeah. like, you know, if we say it's not about putting your stuff on Notion, it's like what happens after at some stage you're going to have to jump in the pool, right? So everything mm-hmm. that you can kind of maybe put in the way of that, that moment when you really have to jump in the pool, which you've already decided to do. So it's curious in a way. Yeah. I got to keep jumping in the pool every day. <laughs> and that's <laughs> right ter- now. terrifying. It might get a little, yeah. I mean, it might get easier when it's all public and, you know, I just, I've jumped in the pool publicly. And so everyone knows I'm <laughs> in the pool, but right now I have to jump in the pool every day, which is fine, but it it's, um, yeah, I think if, if I had to think about the fears that I have, the real fear is just, can I do this? Um, and I, I can be very confident about it. I can tell you all the reasons why I should be good at this, um, but I still have a um, it's still a question in my mind because I think you know being CEO can be mean lots of different things. You know, it could maybe you're a sales CEO, maybe you're a gardener CEO, maybe you're a public figure CEO, or maybe you're you know a content creator CEO, or like. So there's probably a low likelihood that I couldn't be one of those things. Um, hmm. But still. Well, I think maybe part of the question is what is a John Kennedy CEO? And I think you don't, you don't have the answer for that. Just yet. Yeah. That's true. That's definitely true. I don't have that answer. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something about, how you allow yourself to jump in the pool to discover that without freaking yourself out in the short term with with this black and white fail succeed thing it feels like that comes in very close right how, like how it's all going to be a public disaster comes in very close to what you should do tomorrow and maybe not consciously right but it mm-hmm. comes as a block Hmm. Yeah, I think there's something else here as well. There's one of my once. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, one. I was just going to say as a like a side note. One of my good friends, um, who I really respect as a leader and is a CEO, just has the ability to to make very big inflammatory statements publicly, and <laughs> um, and I think you know he he like. On the one hand, he's good, like he's fine with it. Like he's fine with criticism and he's fine with people getting their back up and all this kind of stuff. I think on the other, he also knows that doing that is powerful for his brand and the brand of his company. I don't know that I could do that. I, or I don't know if I need to even. Um, I think that's not like, that's just one question in a constellation of questions, but that's a question, you know, Mm. one of the types of questions that Mm. is definitely a part of this general question of who I am. Yeah, it feels like that's bound up very deeply in the CEO. And you mentioned it being being an existential question. Um, And I'm curious about what your relationship to discovery is, to discovering yourself, to not knowing, to that kind of there's something around before before things are created, there's a space in which things have to be imagined. And the space of, I think of it as like the fertile void. 
you don't know what the heck's going on. You just, there's a sense of something needing to come. You create something as an idea. You take steps towards making it real in the world. And it's a bit like clay, like you're going to create something which is malleable. It's not going to come out as a finished product, product because the whole point is in the creation of it and your relationship to what you're creating as it also creates you. So I'm kind of curious about your relationship with discovery. And then also when it comes to John Kennedy, the CEO, if that were an emanation of who you are at a deeper place, what would that look like rather than constructing some figure? Which if we that were to an a, extent. So sorry? If it's an emanation, if it's something that comes out of who you are from the values that you hold. So you mentioned earlier about um, how you want to be building something that is better than some of the less helpful cultures that you've seen in previous organizations. You know what you don't like, which means that there's some sense in you of what you do long for, what kind of culture you want to create and exist within. And those choices or preferences come from a deep place, which are more kind of authentically you. So I'm curious, what what is it at that deeper place that you care about? What are the things that drive you that if you tapped into that, it would make it easier to make CEO decisions? You don't have to think, right, what would a CEO do? It's like, these are the things I care about. Therefore, this is what's going to guide me when I'm in a position of leadership. It's, I don't know if that's clear it's like a value. A Sounds like a value yeah. question, right? If you're going to be value led, we've been talking. We've been talking among. Yeah, we've been talking among our, our. You know, the <laughs> set of the three co-founders about the principles that we want for the company. Um, similar to how Amazon has leadership principles. You know, what? How? How do we operate? And I've been kind of coming to a set of three to five, and I haven't landed on them well yet. I think. Um, those are helpful in making decisions. Those are helpful at a company scale, but I don't know if I have those for me specifically. Like I think there are ways that I want to guide the culture of this company that are the best of what I've seen in lots of places. You know, something that um, has that uh, supports people to be um, open and honest and gives them the safety to do that, but on the other hand is still high performance and is motivating and, and, you know, enables people to perform and, and gives them inspiration to perform is one part of that. Um, mm. So those kinds of company culture things that I aspire to create, I think I'm a little bit more um, sure of than say what motivates me or, you know, or what, or who I am or who I am as a CEO Um let me let me reframe yeah. it a little bit because I think you I think you must be wrong in a way because okay good. you go back twelve <laughs> years right you go back twelve years and you've been moving towards this the whole time like you've taken yourself yeah. off to camp <laughs> you've taken yourself off to university you have like thrown yourself at it like yeah. you've thrown yourself at it for more than a decade so I feel like there's something already happening like almost despite yourself (laughs) right it's like okay well I I definitely need to be good at this first I definitely need to work this out and I definitely and then I need to you know so it's in co-ate maybe or it doesn't have language attached to it and 
but it's there. And, and, and what strikes me is that like, I feel like on the one hand, there could be a really strong confidence in that because it's been with you the whole time, but there is something that arises that subverts that confidence for you in a moment. And I think part of it is the fear we've talked about, the fear of failure. Part of it might be fear of success. Part of it might be just showing up, like however it is, success, failure, somewhere in the middle, because then you will kind of be required in some way to finish out that painting you've been trying to make. You see what I mean? It's like you've all those resources are there. You just haven't like put it on the canvas. So, so someone's going to look at it and be like, wow, you painted that. Yeah. In many ways, the the path, you know, so going through a series A company, going through a series E through H startup that's older, um, going to a public company, all of these have been, you know, I've, when I came to Amazon, I really wanted to learn how they wrote strategy, how, how, they operated, you know, organizations at scale um, and and what high performance looked like knowing that Amazon was very motivated and people tend to go there and um, bring their best selves and grow things really quickly. All of those were really clear learning that, that I could point to and say, this is what I want to learn at the next place. And I went and did that. Um but they were also safe, you know, defined roles yeah. where there was materials on them and many people had done them in the past and you could go and look in the wiki about a lot of it and talk to people in the company who were doing it. Um, I think, you know, having built for, having prepared for so long, it's just uh, the <laughs> kind of I don't want to now be, I don't want to now go into the world and, be failing and have that be my brand. <laughs> okay. So let's find out if we can, right? Because there's a part of me that kind of just wants to say very simply, John, you've done your homework. You don't have to do any more homework. Like, <laughs> you get to start on your pro- Like you really like, I feel like you need permission to not keep doing more homework, which is what I think this, this thing about uploading all the notes is about like, who do you need to keep asking permission for? So on the one hand, let's just say, Let's pretend you don't have to do your homework anymore. You get to jump in the pool. You, you've got your floaty things and you know how to swim and it's fine in theory. Yeah. What do you know about the voice that arises contrary to that, that says you haven't done enough homework and that you are not ready because that keeps coming back. And it's very strong because it seems to run contrary to I think if anybody saw the evidence on the mm. table, they'd be like, well, this guy's ready. Like, well, he's scared, but yeah. he's ready. Yeah. yeah. What arises that so convincingly pulls the wind out from under you there? You might not know the answer to that. I know it's a, it's like a going like straight for the <laughs> jugular. <laughs> yeah, straight for the jugular. <laughs> but um, it's so powerful, right? It just really, it can really just like paralyze you by the sounds of it. I don't know. I had a, um, actually while I was at, um, Amazon, I had a business coach for a while. She was awesome. Actually, she was up in Toronto and, um, you know, kind of coached me through a time where I really needed coaching. And that served such a great purpose for me, kind of going back to her every week. I think maybe I need to go and maybe I just need to go and, you know, get her again. Um, because I, I think that 
uh, I want to be able to not ask for permission. I want to mm-hmm. be able to um, be my own authority. Um, I think that it's hard to break that habit. But that's um, great. Like, I think this is like, this is you, this is your challenge because you're going to be in a CEO role where you need to be the person who doesn't need to ask for permission. And maybe, you know, I love this idea that Natalie was talking about, about how comfortable are you with discovery? Because there's the sense that you have to be, you have to be there from tomorrow, right? Where maybe you can discover yourself towards not having to ask in this process. Mm. Mm. I feel like I want to be collaborative with my co-founders and ask and and kind of make sure that I have their collaborations. It's not about collaboration, right? You'll collaborate. Mm. But it's interesting that there's something there on collaboration and permission. Yes. That those are somehow bound up. Mm. Oh, they certainly are. Okay. So permission goes back to kind of like a younger part of yourself, right? When we're kids, we need to ask for permission. We need to be told that it's going to be okay or that we've done enough to do this thing. Whereas collaboration is like an adult, adult thing, right? Let's work together, both bring our wisdom and intellect into this. So something gets overlapped, right? Is that something... There's something about making decisions. You know, if you go and make a decision quickly and the decision has high impact and you haven't talked it through, mm. that's, um, you know, how are you then losing trust with co-founders or are you then um, not projecting? Am I not um, building their trust in me so that we can build something big if I go off and make decisions without them and implement. But can I just draw, can I just draw your attention to how you make it so binary again? Yeah. Yeah? Like it becomes, it's almost like it becomes catastrophic, you know, like maybe Mm. you make a small decision. Sorry. I'm I'm really talking. Yes. Well, no, also this. So like, so what is collaboration? What, what, what requires conversation and what doesn't? So for instance, when we were thinking about setting up this project, um, I know where my skills generally lie, most of them. So happy to be challenged on some of them. And Aaron knows the same for his. And yet when it comes to things like the design of the logo, I've got a background in design, but Aaron's got preferences and he dresses very well and he chooses. So it's like, so there's a sense of like, you know, even though we might weight it differently, the conversation still happens. And we might try some things out together until we get to the point where it's like, okay, well, let's go with this. And it's not about asking permission. It's more, there's, there's an element if you're lucky of play and then when there isn't you're kind of encouraged or put on the spot where you have to say you know actually with my skill set or my experience I really think this is the best path forward and here's why and so it's less about permission and more about wanting to really understand what your own motivations are where your skills are and the other person so it becomes an enriching challenge where it's it's there's an element of challenge but it's it's moving you both in in the direction that you want instead of I'd like to do this I need to get the sign off from this person if they say no I can't do it 
and therefore it's all gone. Or if they say no, something else bad will happen. There's something around, is there something around someone saying, no, you're wrong, no, this isn't good enough? Is there a fear of actually being in conversation and it not going the way that you hope it will? And so you shut it down before. I definitely want to inspire. I want to inspire my two co-founders. You know, I think that we they've I absolutely respect both of them. They've probably had they're both in a fairly similar spot. They're probably about seven years behind me in their careers. Um, And so Um, I want to inspire them and be um, a, a kind of a steady um, like figure person model? who is like the Amazon phrase would be the, the Amazon principle would be uh, is right a lot, you know, is like, has good <laughs> intuition and is can make good decisions. Um, the, the actual principle is are right a lot, which is hard to say in regular. Uh, <laughs> but, but is that, I wonder whether that's, um, I wonder whether you can manage that because that's not unreasonable, right? But it feels like right a lot mm. means wrong some of the time. Mm. So you have to be comfortable enough mm. with wrong some of the time to be right most of the time. And it feels like maybe you're reluctant to be wrong some of the time. So you really have to be sure. I mean, it is uncomfortable being wrong. Not that, like, we're sure, sitting here yeah. and the goes, you know, so it's not easy. And, and the thing I think I would say is like, when you're talking about these people who are seven years behind you, there is, I get the sense that you're thinking of yourself also as a role model and you talk about culture and modeling behaviors in some way. And so I think if you're thinking about what you're modeling for them, the most exciting businesses are the ones that are able to have enough psychological safety where some failure is totally within the, within the bandwidth of creativity and you treat it as, as you mentioned, like a learning experience so that when they see you occasionally fail and you're like, ah, I see quickly this didn't work, we're going to try something different. It gives them permission. So they're more likely to develop that discernment and capacity to share openly with you, to collaborate more fruitfully, to create the culture that you talked about at the top end of the the conversation that you actually want where things can thrive. But there has to be a bit of space for mistakes and that kind of rough and tumble where you're going to learn together. Um, because that's going to lead to the kind of culture that enables you to, to, to create and build really exciting things together. I think. Does that yeah. make you feel quite anxious, that idea that, that you could mess up what with would, them? Oh yeah. I, yeah. I think um, it definitely gives me pause when I'm about to do things. And I'd prefer to just be in a creative space where I could just feel good about picking up all the things I need to do and just doing them <laughs> quickly and moving on you know there's so many things to do I just need you know so I created a silly website last week that is just a landing page with a waiting list and it would just took me iterations I went through different tools and had a lot of thinking about what it would do and I ended up with this such a simple not very good website which you know it's it will evolve and there's lots of things we need to do before I can make it evolve because there's lots of things we need to settle before we can build a website that's actually meaningful but um, let me ask, can I ask you a question, John, about that? Because I yeah. think it's the same. So we can, we've identified a pattern that you get into, right? Because it's the same thing with the notion and the notes, right? So if you're yeah. able to see when you're operating a delaying tactic, like redoing the website, when you know on a level you're doing this thing to not be doing something else, 
what does mm. what is that something what might that something else be in any of those times i don't know you know when i created the first iteration of the website i took it to a co-founder and they were they said oh you know this is okay and weren't super happy not very um not very communicative about that so i so i went and did it again and he was like oh this is they were like oh this is much better great you know that that difference worries me because I wanted to have the, oh, this is kind of what we should be doing straight away. And so that might be me being just way overly sensitive about positive feedback because that's, you know, because I'm a millennial. I don't know, but um, (laughs) I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually like a borderline because I'm 82. I'm literally on the border. I'm like, I'm a zenial, but that whole kind of, you know, uh, building and getting positive affirmation is definitely need the um, participation trophies, you know. Um, but also so everybody being on the same That tape, was like I an guess. experience of... <laughs> Sorry? Sorry, I mean, to, in, I was saying it, it also sounds like you you feel like you're most comfortable if everybody's in agreement and that it's actually really hard to yes, hold yes, difference, yes, yes. right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I want everyone to be in agreement, everyone to be, yeah, together. So it's hard to hold difference. Yes, that's true. Um, but yeah, that, that, that not getting it right does hold me back from being in flow. Um, it, You're making an equation, which is interesting, mm. right? So that everybody not, might not feel the same way about something doesn't mean that you're not getting it right. Mm. And I think that's part of the core uh-huh. of the thing because, yeah, then of course everything has to be paused and deferred and delayed because it's, if everybody's not on board, it's not okay. And I don't think it's in the mm-hmm. end, it's some people are going to be less happy with some of these things than other people. And I think it's a really uncomfortable thing maybe for you to sit with. Like, yeah, I like it more than you do. You like this more than I do. Yeah. And then also the yeah. role of the CEO, you know, making those difficult decisions. That's part of the role. It's making choices that other people are not always going to agree with. And then being comfortable enough, because <laughs> like, it's not fun, but like no. comfortable enough, being able to build that that tolerance, be like, this is uncomfortable. Really, I would prefer that everyone agreed with me on this one or that we could find some common ground. But you have, as as Aaron was reflecting back earlier, 10 to 12 years under your belt, you have, I would guess, having been so successful in these positions, a really attuned sense of what's what's working and what isn't, when something's working, how to change it. So maybe the thing that's less like um, traveled as a muscle, less built up as a muscle, is your ability to make the choice and then not be so bowled over by or instabilized by yeah I've been building like I've been building cloud products for 20 years you know like yeah, I, you know your shit. I should, you know I should have <laughs> I should be able to do this thing um you, no, can, you can do, do it. the thing <laughs> you can that's do not it. the problem <laughs> yeah it's your discomfort that's With, the problem yes yeah it's like building up a tolerance for your discomfort that you might want something to go in a direction that not everybody's fully on board for yeah. and actually I'd say take confidence in a sense because you in a in a way you're so collaborative mm. that you're more likely to over collaborate than under collaborate you don't want just one tool which is 
to collaborate and get everyone on board. It's a great one. And you mentioned a CEO who really didn't have that and you don't want to be like that. Um, but you have to develop the other side of that, which is, okay, we've collaborated. I'm really good at taking feedback. And if I really hear it doesn't work, I'm definitely going to respond to that. But also this time, we're it's going to go this way, you know? Yeah. I mean, one of my co-founders I've known for a while and they're great and I've you know, known them for years um, socially and have we've helped each other through situations and I've mentored them. The other one who I'd kind of started working with first, I really haven't known for very long and I think something else there is just impressing that person, you know, like which is so silly. It's just it's, not, it's not the thing silly. that I should it's... be doing right now but it it's also just because it's early in that relationship and it's such a sure. meaningful, important relationship, it's like these are people you're gonna be working mind. super closely with, right? Throughout this whole thing. So for you to care, yeah, exactly. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. But I think a hold just hold it a bit more lightly. You you know that you might bend over backwards to preserve some kind of impression on this person. So you know that. So you can just hold it a little bit less seriously, right? Mm. Maybe you don't, or maybe going your own way isn't going to upset this person, or maybe they'll think, actually, that was a really good idea, and I'm glad you said. We don't know any of those answers, right? But yeah. you just have to hold it a little bit less seriously, the job to make it okay in all those kinds of ways with that with that person. Yeah. And there's also something interesting here about, because I really have struggled with this for a long time. It's only in recent years that I'm getting anywhere near being all right with it. And I'm also a millennial, so I, I, you, know, we're, you and I are very similar in, in age. And that's people liking me. I get really upset if I upset someone. It's almost the end of the world. It's yeah. it's awful. And things come crashing and I will ruminate for days or even weeks. And we had something, well, yeah, um, this comes up in my closest relationships. And it's really hard and it gets in the way. And there's something around that's like the desire for connection, which is a very, very beautiful thing. But sometimes some of my closest friends now are the folks who are able to say to me very clearly, I don't want to hang out tonight. I'm too tired or these are my needs. And so you, there's a different way of building trust, which was so shocking to me the first few times I had these conversations with these friends. Um, and then over time, I was like, oh, I know that this person is going to tell me how they feel. I don't have to do any legwork. I trust them much more easily. And I realized that that also, in terms of discomfort, over time, the initial discomfort is like, woo, through the roof. And over time, the general discomfort fell way lower than I'd ever experienced in relationships before. And the reason I know I, I mentioned this now is because I wonder if with this person that you'd like, and it's not just about impressing, you want them to, to like you and to, to admire you and to want to work with you. And it's that's a beautiful desire. But there's something about you being able to make choices and to model how to deal with discomfort or how to deal with decision making where they don't have to like everything that you do, but they have to be able to see you and understand that it's okay to make choices and to respect you so that they know that they can trust you. Because actually your commitment is to making this thing that you're creating together go as well as possible. And there's something about that. You're sharing a vision together. You're going to do your best for this vision. And some, and, and maybe it's as simple as simple. It's never this simple. But it's having a conversation about this and saying, I am really not comfortable with making decisions that I know you might disagree with. But because I love what we're doing here, as uncomfortable as it makes me, I'm going to take that discomfort for the team and make choices that are going to help us all move towards this common goal. 
because it's it's not that binary thing. Sometimes the discomfort is necessary to be able to create this beautiful thing that you want to together. Do, mm. I feel like I've gone off on a speech here. Ooh, getting off the soapbox uh, now. I think. So go on. Did you, did you ever thought about that, John? That's <laughs> all true. You know, I but. I um that that I need to be comfortable with making bad decisions. <laughs> Um, well, not bad decisions. Yes, <laughs> You've gone straight to bad decisions. Sometimes they're like messy decisions or good decisions that people don't like, but they work out. Like, yeah, there's a full palette of decisions. Yes, and it's hard to always know whether they're good or bad decisions, especially in yeah, this because kind of you can't always know that. stage. Yeah, because mm. you know, spending X amount of time doing this thing and Y amount of time doing that thing doesn't necessarily show up for months in terms of was that a good or bad decision. Um, yeah. Right. And most of those aren't going to be catastrophic, right? So if it shows up later that it's not working great, then you make a new decision, right? Mm. So there's a thing about, is it a bad decision? Does it mean failure? Am I going to like uh, offend this person? Or like all of those things, let's say 90% of them are another decision can be made to fix it or make it better or to learn from, right? Yeah. I think the thing, Natalie, that you said that um, is important for me to work on is um, to be okay disappointing people. I think yeah, that's that a is something one. I have to really work on. Um, I've def- I probably not worked on it enough personally as well as professionally, um, and that's something that is, you know. I, is a constant theme. Um, let me let me just reframe that a little bit because we're also coming we're coming <laughs> to time and I, yeah. and I want to like I want to make sure we're really clarified. So there's also a difference between disappointing and having a different point of view upon, mm. right? So we don't want to overlap those things. Mm. We still want to make you more comfortable with possibly disappointing <laughs> someone, right? Mm. But it's not always disappointing someone to have a different point of view or even for there to be conflict mm-hmm. or even there to be strong conflict doesn't have to be disappointing. So we just want to watch out, watch over the clarification of what do you want to be better at? Maybe just holding the discomfort of difference, conflict, a potential to disappoint someone, what happens when the disappointment happens, because that tends to be recoverable too mm-hmm. most of the time. Right, but if you if you want to go by way of A and they want to go by way of B, and you fear that because they want to go by way of B, you're disappointing them. You might not be. You just want to go by way of A and they want to go by way of B. Hmm. You see what I mean? So you can put a you can throw a value in there that makes it more difficult than maybe it needs to be. Even though at the end of the day, it's still better. Even if you're ready to. Uh, to tolerate possibly disappointing someone too and knowing that when it's disappointed, you you come together on that and you work it through, you know? Yeah. We also realise this is one conversation and there's yes, a we lot going on here. So yeah. also, if you're listening to this going, no, no, it's still just disappointment. You don't have to agree. Like, this is just to seed some ideas to, to yeah. maybe start opening some questions uh-huh. Yeah, and the two people I'm working, you know, they're my two co-founders. They're very functional people. You know, I wouldn't 
pick people who aren't fairly conscious of themselves. Yes. And so they have a lot of room. Yeah. Yeah. There's room to talk about this kind of thing. And we've already had discussions about having discussions and having discussions mm-hmm. about feedback and making sure that we can give each other feedback. And that's, we're all safe to do that. And that's an important part of what we're doing. And, you know, um, it's, it's just like it day to day, there's higher stakes in terms of change than there's been in a very long time. So yeah. decisions day to day feel like they can have a big effect on, on the future, even near future. Yeah. Um, do we go into this accelerator? What is that? If we do that, you know, this, this means that, all this travel is going to happen or if we don't get into this thing or if we like all the decisions every day have huge consequences on um, planning and it's just different. It should be, it's yeah. It, it's scary. Hmm. It's scary and it's important and there's a lot riding on it. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's all like, that's all really important stuff and that all informs the hesitation. I also don't know how to, I don't, I don't know how to, how to very separately from the discussion that we've been having and kind of going back to something from before. um, I think one of the weights on all of this is, you know, I, I really want to um, impress my co-founders. I want us to have a great relationship. I want us to go fast. I want us to be able to build something great. And then on top of all of that, I just don't know what happens when I become public about this, that I'm doing this thing. I've been telling people, a lot of people personally, and having a conversation with them. And I feel like at some point I have to become this new thing. And when I become that new thing and declare it, it changes how I interact with people and it it does worry me. It is something that I'm afraid of happening and is going to happen and um, is just I've not had to manage any of that for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, early career I might have, but I've not had to, um, yeah, I don't know. So well, I think like one of the things is I need us to work really well as a team. I have some, I, I have some like, preconceptions about what a startup should look like you know and i've seen people succeed and people fail and um you know i've guess i've been judgmental about that in the past and so now Mm. i'm you know feel that um that i that it's time to build the thing that also inspires people to come to me and say yes we want to be involved as you know please hire me or can we be on your beta or, you know, what are you doing? That looks awesome. And I'm not sure of that yet. I can't, I'm not, I don't know how to do that yet to project that. Hmm. That's, that's good. And that's (laughs) fine because I don't think you would know how to do it until you're doing Doing it. it. Yeah. So I think that weren't the case. As I, I said, I need to read more books. Yeah, well, no, you've done your homework, right? So <laughs> I, I, think, I think what we've kind of done is we kind of clarified the nature of the fear 
that's producing mm. all sorts of stuff for you, which is actually, mm. I think, quite a long way to come in a conversation this brief. brief. Yeah. Well, yeah, the question. Well, because we haven't spoken before as well. So. <laughs> no, I mean, this is, you know, and you and you signed yourself up for this talk and you've done all your homework and you're doing more homework by doing here. There's a part of you that doesn't believe that, right? So maybe just in, in our kind of thinking about how we can help you before we finish the call is how to, mm. in a sense, frame and hold this fear because you don't, you don't get to not find out who you are without experiencing the fear, the fear right it's your companion right now yeah you you, you mm-hmm. instinctually you want to avoid it but you also don't get to find your way towards an end without making some mistakes you wish you hadn't made or making some choices so the only thing we can work with is expanding that tolerance for you around those issues it's like you know you think uh, in the treatment of anxiety disorders for example the mm-hmm. issue isn't i need to clear away my anxiety before i can cross a bridge they've got a bridge phobia it's, mm. I've got to learn to tolerate the anxiety as I'm starting to walk over that bridge so that I know the bridge isn't going to collapse and the anxiety isn't going to kill me either. So in your own pace and in your own way, we know that there's a certain kind of a fear. We don't know all about it yet. We know lots of elements of it. Might you be able to hold that fear in a different way after this conversation? Might you try something manageable that would scare you and see what happens and process that in a way at your pace, you know, I'd throw it back at you. Is there like a risk? Is there something that you might choose differently knowing that it's about how you engage with that fear? I'm trying, I I think I'm putting those kinds of things in front of me. I'm setting up at the moment, a conversation with someone who I really respect. And I also really care about um, how, uh, she perceives me and what I'm doing. Um, so, you know, she's the CEO of a, a company and um, she's someone who I've um, admired for a long time professionally. And um, I'm going to have a conversation with her. And so this is kind of me, you know, taking little steps to be more public and explain who I am and what I'm doing and, so I am trying to take little steps like that, I guess. Um, I'm escalating. I mean, you're definitely in it, right? You're de- I mean, you're <laughs> yeah. scared every day, so you're not, not taking steps, that's for sure. <laughs> I think also there's a couple of things. Like one, there's an entrepreneur that I met years ago who actually was the reason that I ended up meeting the publisher where I got my first book. And I remember him saying something to me which really transformed my thinking at the time because I'm quite a perfectionist, but also quite impulsive. So it's a bit of a funny <laughs> dance to, to be in the middle of. And he said to me, entrepreneurs are people who build the plane while they're flying. Get used to it. I was like, what? Yeah. yeah. And he was like, we make this shit up as we go along. Once you've done it once or twice, you realize that that's kind of the thing. And the fear that accompanies, depending on how the fear is, that accompanies the risk is an indicator that you're doing something exciting and new. And I, it was just such a massive reframe. And this is someone who was 20 years older than me. I was in my sort of, or maybe 15 years older than me. And so I think there's something around that, like you don't know what's going to happen. You have all of the tools under your belt, all of the experience. Maybe it might be useful to start writing down some of these questions around how do you, and ask some of your CEO friends, how do you deal with disappointment? What does fear look like to you? 
Um, how do you hold difference? Um, how do you decide what kind of CEO you're going to be? So some of the questions that you could maybe ask yourself also are what are all of the negative things associated with this fear that you can write down and physically look at and bring in conversation to people that you trust so you can start getting a bit more of a a nuanced sense mm. of how they make their decisions, what are some of the challenges that they've in, encountered and how they've grappled with them. Because I think you'll realize that you're in some really fine company. <laughs> and um, that there's room, there's room yeah. to bungle around a little. And you need room to bungle around a little bit. And every bungle isn't the worst bungle. Most of those bungles, you can bungle around, right, yeah. and fix it. And then the ones that are, the really big ones, if you can make that distinction, then those are the ones that you're extra, extra careful about. But it's still a risk. You know, you see, you can never just completely suck the risk out of it. Yeah. Mm. What's something that you could commit to in terms of a step, something practical um, from the conversation that we've had today that could take you closer to the direction of where you want to be heading? I don't know. I, I'm doing lots of little steps now, I think, in the right direction, but I don't know what is another. So, I mean, you know, as I said, I'm kind of escalating the people that I'm talking to about this. And what I'm doing is wider and wider circles of people who I um, know less and less. And so I have to then take bigger leaps of um, discomfort telling them um, and also risk that they'll miss the point because they don't know me well or, um, you know, not have faith in the gaps of what I'm describing. Um, so I think I'm doing that. You know, I've got to keep having, <laughs> um, keep, setting up difficult discussions or, you know, meetings with people. Um, I think like one thing is transitioning is this role that's a lot about sales and marketing where, whereas I've been in product roles where, yes, you have to do a lot of reach out and some of that's cold reach out, but it's pretty safe. Like people have always wanted to talk to me and I'm not trying to take their money. I'm just trying to have discussions with them. Like one thing I'm going to have to transition into doing is more sales. And that's, that's very much putting yourself out there and saying, you know, please have a discussion with me. And then, by the way, I might ask you for money for this thing that I'm doing. <laughs> no, um, that's different. Uh, I've ended up doing sales in my product role because that's how it turns out. Have a discussion. Someone gets interested. They're like, oh, that's really cool. I want to try it out. Okay, here you go. But but it, I, I think um, more and more I've got to do more cold reach out and more dis more discussions where I'm just putting myself out there because it's me you know at this stage there's three of us but when I get on the phone it's it's me it's like mm -hmm. okay but I also just want to make sure you recover right because you sound like someone who can push yourself quite hard and like <laughs> we have our inferior capacity what's recovery we're not well like you know <laughs> yes. how do you be gentle with yourself after subjecting to yourself subjecting yourself to something that's scary and tricky and risky Right? I don't know. To come back and be like, okay, that was hard. That was really hard. That freaked me out. Like, yeah. recover. Probably. Maybe go back. Sorry? What were you going to say? <laughs> you go first. back into something that you feel really skilled and good at. Oh, right. it, 
right? Yeah. You're talking about how the D skilled, the stuff you're not so skilled up in, you know, can, can be really hard and can yeah. drain your confidence. So it's like you step into that D skilled area, you build your skills, but then you come back into your skilled area to rebuild your confidence and where you're comfortable. And it's this iterative process of like, okay, well, I'm not brilliant at the cold, cold calling. I'm not brilliant about saying something that might produce conflict. But once I've subjected myself to that scary moment, what can I do to recover from it? Tell myself well done or have someone else tell me well done and sort of like, you know, you need to, you need to come back yeah. and recover from if you're every day you're jumping in the pool and feeling terrified, you, you, you got to get into the hot tub or the, the sauna or someplace <laughs> where you feel warm and safe too, you know? Yeah. A lot of what I'm doing now is, I mean, I've done it a long time ago, but I haven't done it for a long time. And that is just has a lot of discomfort. And I worry about doing the things that I'm good at because a lot of those things are actually not appropriate for this stage. Like a lot of the things I've been doing recently will be awesome once we're past series A, you know, in like August 2025. Yeah. Then like I have a lot of confidence that the scaling mechanisms are operating at scale things that I have been doing for the past, you know, 10 years will make a lot of sense. Right now I'm doing things that I haven't done for a very long time and there's most of the things that I'm, I'm kind of just trundling through, which is fine. Um, but, but there's this kind of, you know, I also have to really check myself to not go do things that I'm good at because yeah. like a lot of those things aren't relevant. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like your, your kind of internal system of being able to recognize those things mm. is good. And yeah, the issue is how you make those decisions. Maybe when you know that you're throwing something in front of yourself, that isn't. Yeah, I don't know how to recover. I don't know how to recover. Okay, that's a well, that's, that's a real point. That's like, useful. That's I don't. I should be doing more exercise. You know, I love going west coast swing dancing. I should go do that. Ooh, you know, the, that there's cool. like there's well, we I, yeah, you know, we had children and there wasn't enough time. But now they're older and it's you know it's okay. Um, but there are things I think I don't know how to recover. I think that's something that I don't like. You know. That's okay, something that's that something would we can yeah. look into. Well, we're we're really running we're running towards the end now. We've got a few <laughs> yes. like yeah. quick fire closures sure. with you, and then we're yeah. gonna hopefully we can meet with you again, maybe in a month or six weeks or something, and kind of see mm -hmm. if anything shifted around this yeah. around this stuff. So, Natalie, do you want to take the first quick fire close? Yeah. So as we <laughs> keep layering back the onions um, or peeling back the layers of the onion. Um, how are you feeling right now in this moment? And kind of like, can be even a few scattered words, but because you've gone very deeply in mm. quite a short amount of time, you've been extraordinarily courageous and candid. Yeah, we've held your feet uh, to the fire. Yeah. Uh, not better, but, you know, interested in the these things, like that thinking about relationships that, I need to um, work on the difference between disappointment and disagreement and mm. thinking about um, how having kind of early discomfort in a relationship can make you more comfortable later on. So that's for my team. And then thinking about recovery, what does that mean? How do I structure my work day um, to include that concept if that's what I need? Um, all of these things, like I, 
not comfortable with it yet. I think just think there's lots to do and I need to get it done. Yeah, there's <laughs> a, a lot of discomfort here. I don't like putting, I don't like having to do things that are things that I have to do because I'm not good at doing the things yet, <laughs> you know, like yeah. um, I don't like having to spend time on recovery because that's not getting the things done. So um, I think I probably just end up doing recovery things rather than planning that. So that's uncomfortable to think okay. about, think about structuring that in. So uncomfortable um one way that i'm feeling um but <clears throat> you know i i appreciate the this is not a rapid fire question answer sorry um i appreciate <laughs> the okay. support like i agree that I, I need to keep saying to myself i've done the homework i've done the homework i've done the homework mm-hmm. that's true um and i think that that's something that I need. I, I need a few different mantras that I'm um, to kind of like get me through this stage. And so that's a good one. Yeah. Um, so that's, helpful. I think that's a good so, one. I think that's a good one for you too. And I'm going to change the question I have written down here for you. And I'm going to say, okay. what recovery thing might you be able to choose to do for yourself, say within the next two to three weeks? Cause I think in order for you to get the job done that you really want to get done, you can't do it if you don't give yourself recovery. So mm-hmm. while it might feel like a waste of time to you or like you should be doing the uncomfortable stuff, mm-hmm. you need to get your petrol back in the tank. Yeah. So would it be dancing? Is there something that doesn't have to be a major an exercise bike do- at home? I should just get on that. And I haven't been doing that for a while. That's probably the most kind of, I can go do that for an hour or I can do that for half an hour and it's encapsulated. That's probably the thing that I need Mm -hmm. to do. I've not been building that in and that's probably, I can probably justify that to I still wish for you to be something a little bit more fun than a stationary bike. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) beautiful. Like Like a massage. Yeah, like something that nourishes you. Or a hike or or getting a babysitter to, well, you don't need to because they grow older, but like, no, Going we still do. Date. They're they're six and eight. When I say older, they're not oh, like in. So they're you know, still okay. young. Yeah, they're not like. It's very different. I think Natalie and I three, would, would you know. really have a hope for you, John, <laughs> to enable yourself to because you have no choice but to be uncomfortable so much of the time. Yeah, and so much of this is forcing you to lean into your growing edge, that to allow yourself space from that discomfort is really important. It's not just like, ooh, self-care. It's like, I need, you know, it's like you can't you can't run a marathon and then run a p- marathon the next day, right? Mm-hmm. You need to rest. And I don't mm-hmm. want to put you on the spot, but I would, I would be really gratified to know that maybe you could think about what might, what you might be able to do for yourself that isn't a should or a must or. It's like, like I've longed to do this thing. If I had time when I retire, this is what I would long to do. <laughs> Or, or the John of, you know, 30 years ago, what did he most enjoy doing that was just pure play and pleasure? Um, mm. And maybe maybe that could be a task that you can joyfully give to yourself, like over a coffee or whatever, is write a list. What are the things that I miss most that mm. I loved that are playful and just no strings attached and just write that list and then maybe build in the simplest of those and get get people to get into it with you, like your wife, tell her about your list and be like, right, I want to pick something on here. Can you help me do it? 
because sometimes it's easier to get permission mm. to do the Treat things yourself. that we love. <laughs> <Treat> yourself. <laughs> That's one thing. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Could you commit to that? Oh, yeah. I can write a list. Okay. 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 So you're going to write a list after this call. You're going to try and do something nice. Is there anything that you want to check out with us? Say, get off your chest, clarify before we, we finish the call. And would you be happy to speak to us in a few weeks' time to kind of see what may or may not have happened in the interim? Yeah, if we could make it six weeks, that'd be good. I want to get through okay. this like transition <laughs> and then be on the other side of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I can commit to that. Um, I can write the list. I can try and structure recovery into my day. I think it's, I don't like the idea that I, well, I want, I want to incorporate this idea that to do uncomfortable things that are different and hard should mean that I should incorporate recovery time. I don't know that I'm quite incorporating that yet, but I think mm. that I would like to incorporate that. So yeah, that it makes sense, that doesn't works. it? Yeah, I think if I don't, I think if I don't structure it in, it just happens anyway, because I just get off track and less uh, creative and less decisive and less productive. So, may as well be deliberate about it. Yeah, I mean, think just good old fashioned positive reinforcement. You have to do something really uncomfortable in a day. Mm. You know, you're going to have to show up for that in a way that's really uncomfortable. Have you got something in your cup? Eat if it's a nice meal, if it's Chocolate going cake. up to yeah, <laughs> anything that's just like, okay, well, I'm going to now, I'm going to give myself something nice because I made myself do something really hard. Yeah. Mm. You know? Yeah. And it's a bit like, because I know it can feel like you're kind of taking a detour away from where you want to be going. I'm quite doggedly determined in that way, like you are. But I've realized that it's like when you, when you're trying to get shit done in a day and it's getting later and later and you're knackered because you've done too much. And you have to make simple decisions like I need to book a flight or I need to get to um, like a Google map address, whatever. And you're sitting looking, usually for me, it shows up looking at your phone you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. All my tabs are open. <laughs> everything's frozen. And I'm trying to execute on a very simple task. And actually, that's the point at which it's just like put it down, go to sleep after a nice dinner, wake up. And then I can do that task within a minute the next day. It's that it's that kind of the building the recovery time in gets you from A to B with greater ease and with less pain and less less time usually. So yeah. like the recovery time often yeah. is an enabler of, of more fluent ease of, of travel in the direction yeah. that you want to be going. And you yeah. deserve it. Yeah. You've, been, you've, been, you've been developing this in some way for at least 12 years. Mm. There's a part of you that is ready to subject yourself to this kind of challenge and this kind of fear. There's a lot of resistance to it. But you've done it. You've made this choice. You're there, right? You're doing it. So do it. Be gentle with yourself in that too, because you're taking a risk, you know? Yeah. Mm. Thank you. I think it's really great. You know, you have done your homework. You should feel really pleased. And it's exciting that. for us yeah. to see what happens. It's yeah. Really very, exciting very, time. Exciting. very exciting. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for um, showing up for this interview and being so honest with us about it yeah. and, and really going for it's it. It's not really easy. <laughs> so we really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, Thanks for holding and it. Yeah, so. It's good to be able to talk. 
Good. It's a pleasure. And we'll catch up with you in, in at least weeks. six weeks. Yes. Yes. Or more. If you need a little <laughs> bit more, just like you can have the discomfort conversation with us and be like, guys, I need an extra week. It will be absolutely fine. You can practice on us yeah. that too. Okay. Great. <laughs> Great. Thanks so much, John. Thank you so much. Take Bye. care. Bye. We hope you enjoyed that discussion as much as we did. But that's not all there is to it. Wait, there's more? <laughs> yes, there is. Be sure to tune in to our next episode where Erin and I will be diving deeper into the themes that came up in this interview. That's right. In the next episode, Natalie and I will not only discuss the salient issues that arose here, but we'll also be pointing to models, theories and practices from the world of psychology and behavioral science to help you make more sense of them so you can apply them to your own journey. And for those of you who are curious to learn even more, we have developed an online community where you'll be able to find more resources to explore and have opportunities to discuss this and other episodes with other community members in a forum and through live events and AMAs. In this, our first season of Time to Show Up, we're making all this great content freely available to the public. But next season, material from the review episodes, along with the great resources and opportunities for community members to connect, learn and grow, will only be available by subscription. And since we know that listening to material itself isn't enough to facilitate desired change, we've designed this community specifically to give you the support you need to take your learning even further. And if you join us at the start of our journey and sign up before April 5th, 2024, we're offering a no-strings three-month membership for free at timetoshowup.org. That's right. And if you choose to stay on with us, which we hope you will, we'll give you a 25% early bird discount just to say thank you. If you're tuning in after that April date, don't worry, you can still try out a free two-week membership with no obligation. There are different packages to choose from, and you can find out more and get in touch at timetoshowup.org. Thanks for tuning in. And see you for the review.